0: Welcome to the Six Minute Abs podcast. My name is Abby, aka Six Minute Abs, and I will be your host along this fitness and wellness journey. Join me as I share the ups and downs of my personal wellness ride and shed light on some exciting, adventurous, and at times outrageous health topics. The show does not intend to offer any medical advice, I only aim to provide entertainment and to inform. You should always consult a registered doctor before beginning any treatment or on any topic that concerns your physical and mental health and well-being. Furthermore, you will not achieve a full set of abs in six minutes. Believe me, I've tried. Hey everybody, it's me, Six Minute Abs, and I'm back again this week for our third time at this intro. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Raymond, the incredible athlete man. So Ray, could you just say hey to everyone for me quick?
1: Hey, everyone. Uh, My name's Raymond. I'm an avid triathlete. I've been doing it for about four years now, and I just can't get enough of it. My daytime job is a project manager working for a construction company in Joburg.
0: Okay, awesome. So, Ray, could you just tell me quickly what initially actually got you into triathlons? Were you always athletically inclined, or was that um, kind of like a sporadic decision you made?
1: I've always been interested in exercise. Um, I went to Gray College in Bloemfontein and there it's the norm to do, to do sport, you know, so you naturally just find a niche and let it out. So it took a while to find mine. I I discovered that I was really good at mountain biking. So that's what I did. And then towards the end of my trick, I started gymming like everyone else. And (laughs) after (laughs) and carried on that through first year university. And then um, I got a little bit bored of that because I was never going to compete as a bodybuilder and I needed a competitive outlet. So I went into CrossFit for another two years after that. And that was good, but it just didn't fill that gap for me. And towards the end of second year, a friend of mine did a half Ironman and I decided if he did it, it's a good goal for me too. So I started learning how to swim just 600 meters at a time, getting in, starting to move, and built it up. And yeah, my first year out of university was when I did my first uh, half Ironman, and it's just been, I've been hooked ever since. So, oh my
0: goodness. Okay, and speaking of Ironman, you actually were invited to uh, participate in the ni- uh, 2019 Lausanne, Am I saying that right? Lausanne, Switzerland. Was it Lausanne? Okay, cool. So yeah, you were invited to Lisoon. So could you tell me a little bit about that Ironman event and were, was it invite only? What were the deal, What was the deal there?
1: So that's not actually a half Ironman. That's called a short distance triathlon and that's the Olympic distance. So that's the one you would do at Olympics. Okay. Um, that's a 1.5K swim, a 40K cycle and a 10K run. So what happened there was I joined a triathlon club And the lady who was coaching me at the time, Kate Roberts, she's an ex-Olympian and Commonwealth Games medalist, said to me, why don't you just go and try to do Gauteng Champs? So I went and joined, and I ended up coming third in my age group. So they were like, why don't you come and do SA Champs? So then I went and did SA Champs in Durban, and I came second in my age group there. And then they invited me to go and do World Champs in Luzerne. I'm away. So I decided, yeah. So I decided it was an opportunity I couldn't miss out on, and so I grabbed it with both hands. And yeah, I went across, and it's the most phenomenal holiday I've ever had. Um, the the whole village, small village in Switzerland, was just full of athletes, busy cycling, swimming, running. The whole town just buzzes, and it's actually the Olympic capital. So it's where. The Olympics have their head office, and it's very yeah. orientated around health and sport. And that lake was just crisp, beautiful, clean, not a chip packet in there. It was just <laughs> phenomenal. And, yeah, the race was hard, but um, it was very, very good. I trained really hard for it, and I ended up coming 20th out of uh, 60, 60 participants in my age group. Wow, hey. So, yeah, Goodness. I mean, last year… And then so so that's how the evolution goes. So then last year, my goal was to do half Ironman World Championships, which would have been hosted in New Zealand. So in order to do it, so you have to be invited to do a World Championships event. You can't just enter into them. Yeah, they're not open. So you have to come top two or three in your age group. It just depends on how many participants are in that particular age group. So for instance, for the half Ironman, you have to go and do east london or durban and in the age group 25 to 29 which is what i'm at the moment you have to come top three in your age group to qualify for a slot for World champs okay so i managed i managed to do that last year and got my slot and my invitation to World champs in new zealand but it was first delayed and then it was postponed due to COVID. So yeah. you were able to transfer it to Utah this year or to New Zealand again next year. And I opted to do New Zealand again next year because firstly I don't know what's gonna happen this year again. And yeah. secondly, um, I wanted the New Zealand experience that I was robbed of last year. So yeah.
0: Okay. Well that's that's a very cool, logical way to think about it.
1: Um so and with, for those yeah sorry, and for those who don't know the Half Ironman distance is a 1.9 k swim, a 90 k bike, and a 21 k run.
0: I swear, just by saying those measurements, you're making me tired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and once that box box is ticked, we'll aim for Kona, and that's the ultimate goal. That's the full Ironman World Championships oh, in Hawaii. Cool.
0: Okay. So, with regards to your 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 career as a triathlete, what is your aim with it? Do you want to Um, become a professional triathlete? Do you want to be part of the Olympic team? um, Or, you know, is this just something that you do for the fun of it and just happen to be ridiculously good at it
1: too? Yeah, this is just something that I happened upon that is – ticks all the boxes for me. I'm competitive by nature, so I push myself and I train with a group and we all got that A-type personality. Everyone wants to win, you know, so you end up competing (laughs) with them in training and – I'll continue to do it competitively to try and become the best I can be in my age group because I do it for the passion of doing it and to keep fit and healthy. I'm not going to I don't want to become a professional. I enjoy it too much to, to put the pressure on myself to make it my day job. You know, I like to yeah. have a job where I get paid and I can go and do this on weekends with friends and enjoy it. I wake up early and I go to bed late and there are certain sacrifices you have to make to be good at it, but I'm willing to do that. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's the long and the short of it. I want to com- keep competing as an age group triathlete for fun. That's what you call them. So in okay. order to become a professional, you pay a licensing fee and you have to qualify by coming a certain place in a certain number of races. Yeah. And then once you've got that professional license, you participate as an elite professional. Um, outside of that, you are called an age group, and then you have your certain age groups that go in five-year increments. And okay. that's what I compete in. And it's also still very competitive, but it's people who have day jobs essentially or who just don't want to be pro. So they, some people train like pros, but they just uh, they don't go up that level.
0: So now, talking about training, as a triathlete, what does training actually look like because when i think about it all that i can picture in my head is you guys would have to do a hell of a lot of endurance because you are so fit so could you just like quickly take me through what your training looks like and do you pay equal attention to like swimming cycling and running or how does that work
1: so obviously when you start you have strengths and weaknesses so for me cycling i come from a cycling background so cycling is my biggest strength so i have to work the least on that but Having said that, it's still the thing that requires the most time or the most distance because it's just the way it translates into it. You have to put in a five-hour cycle um, to equate to like an hour run. It's just it's, it's the way it works with how your physiology of your body works. Okay. So a, a general training week will be like – so Mondays I take off usually or I'll do like a light – uh, light active recovery session which will be like an easy jog or something like that then Tuesdays will be a very difficult bike so you'll put hard intervals in there and an afternoon will be a swim okay. Then Wednesday, Wednesday will be a track workout in the morning so you work on run speed so also intervals and then Thursday afternoon will be a recovery bike a strength session or um, a swim it just depends on where your focus lies. Okay. Thursdays are bike, are bike swim day again, exactly the same principle. And then Fridays, uh, I usually do hill workouts on running. So it could be anything from one minute efforts, 30-second sprints, five minutes, um, or we do West Cliff Stairs. Okay. That's very good to get your legs strong, you know. Yeah. And then Saturdays are always a long bike or a brick workout. A brick workout is like building bricks. So it will be a cycle into a run, into a cycle, into a run, into a cycle, into a run. Okay. For instance, last week, we did a 45-minute bike into a 15-minute run, and it increases in intensity as you go. So it's going easy, medium, hard. And then Sundays are always long run days. It's usually only one session unless you're leading up to a race. And yeah, so you try and balance it all And then depending on what you want to focus on in that certain time period, you'd spend a bit more time doing that. Like let's say for world champs, I know my swimming isn't quite as fast as the other guys. And it's something that's crucial. So you're not on the back foot as you get out of the water. It is the shortest part of the triathlon. So you can afford to lose a little bit of time there, but it's better if you get out fresh and you're able to, to push yourself. So... Then I'd prioritize swimming. So, all my double sessions that week would, or that two, three weeks, would be swimming. You basically squeeze in as much swimming as possible. Okay. And you use an 80 20% rule. So, 20% is high intensity, and 80% is easy just getting your aerobic uh, capabilities there. That 20% is what makes you fast.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. And now, okay, the next question I'm going to ask you wasn't in my set of questions, but it is just kind of burning in my head. And um, with regards to triathlons, when you swim, is it always lake-based? And when you run and cycle, is it off-road or on-road?
1: So it's always lake or sea-based. It's always open water. So it's never in a swimming pool. And when you run at the end, uh, it's always on-road unless you you get off-road triathlons. Then you would do mountain biking and then you would do a trail run. But that's something called an Xterra, which I also do from time to time. But the sponsorship has dwindled in South Africa in the last two years. So they've like kind of reduced the number of races that happen that are off road. But Ironman still seems to be growing.
0: Okay, cool. And for you as an athlete, which is your favorite leg of the triathlon? Uh,
1: For me, it's the bike because I'm just better than everyone else at it. Okay. it's, it's what I really enjoy. I like hunting the people down. I lose a bit of time on the <laughs> swim. I hunt them in the bike and then uh, I survive the run.
0: <laughs> you run like hell.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. Um, so another thing I'd really love to talk to you about, and um, this is where your inspiration just kind of shines through completely, and that's the fact that you are such an incredible athlete whilst being a diabetic as well. So that for me is just absolutely mind-blowing and so inspiring. So can you tell me a little bit more about this? So do you have to take certain precautions that other athletes don't have to take because of it? Do you have to train differently?
1: So I don't train differently, but um, there are certain precautions I have to take. And like it's more a lifestyle that I follow to make it safe for me to participate. So when I started doing triathlon, um i'd get into the pool to train and a normal person's sugar sits between three and seven millimoles per deciliter those are like the measurements so that's the band you want to try and sit between so i would have to like have sugar before i got in it would spike to 10 i'd swim and it would come out on like 2.1 which is dangerously low oh yeah so i had to i had to try and find a way to circumnavigate that because when you swim you can't do 1.9Ks and, um, and carry sugar with you and have, like, I always carry super Cs with me. That's my oh, okay. like insurance policy. Because if your sugar goes low, you can go into a coma.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Almost instantaneously, and that's what you want to avoid. Yes. So I did quite a bit of research in that, and then I happened upon ketogenic diets and low-carb diets, And essentially what you do is you starve your body of carbohydrates. And in doing that, it acquires the ability to burn fat as its primary fuel source. Because a person with about 6% body fat has 30,000 calories worth of energy to them stored as fat still. Whereas when you have carbohydrates and carb load in that, your muscles can only store 2,000 calories worth of energy at a given point in time. Yeah, And then after that, it's all just wasted. So that's why that carbo-loading is actually a myth. So what I do is I follow a low-carbohydrate diet. My body uses the ability to burn fat as its primary fuel source. I still have to top up with sugar, and I still always keep sugar with me as a precaution, but I have to take a lot less than what normal people have to take because... I teach my body to use an alternate fuel source. So now I get in to the pool on six and I get out on four. You know, it's a much more gradual drop in energy. Okay. Um, And that's what I found is key. And obviously, different exercises affect it different ways and different intensities. Like running is more intensive than swimming, for example, and it requires a little bit more. So, especially when you're doing intensive intervals, but your body, adapts and adjusts, you know? So it's kind of like just playing around with the nutrition that works for your body and how, and how to best, um, facilitate that to the sport you're doing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's those first two ratios were shocking for me because my sugar would go low. And during that first Ironman, I walked at every single drink station. My sugar went low at 70 K's on the bike, got off the bike and I walked pretty much the whole run. Sat mm-hmm. at the end and had a big packet of licorice all sorts and uh, <laughs> almost didn't even touch sides because my, your body just burns that sugar the whole time. If it's not used to burning fat, it can't access it, you know. Yeah. So it just wants those carbohydrates in your brain. Grassroots. So it's, yeah, it's, it's something that you just have to be aware of. Yes. And obviously, as a diabetic, you don't want your sugar to go low. If your sugar goes low, your race is essentially over. You can't be competitive anymore. And even if you aren't competing, it makes it not as enjoyable and it becomes very, very difficult.
0: Are you tired of looking like a frump when heading off to the gym? Are you stopping traffic with your outfit on your morning jog for all the wrong reasons? If you, like me, are tired of recycling your old promo t-shirts as gym wear, you need to take a look at Athleisure HQ range. These guys stock everything your gym bunny heart could want or desire. From fantastic leggings, which literally feel like a second skin. And trust me, they really, really do. To amazing gym wear for him. You can find it all here. For all you South Africans out there, isn't it great to know that these products are locally manufactured in Cape Town? But if you're an overseas listener, don't stress. They can organize international shipping just for you. All the designs at Athleisure HQ are nature-inspired, leaving you feeling absolutely zen in your gear. I just picked up the Blossom Cropsey set and my gosh, is it stunning! None of the garments have exposed elastic, which would leave your skin feeling irritated. In the same right, you won't have to worry about any irritating labels. All the usual label info is incorporated in the fabric. Furthermore. You can wash, wear and live in your garments without ever having to worry about them. You don't have to worry about them fading and you don't have to worry about them becoming washed out and dull. Go on, spoil yourself with these amazing products and get 10% off while doing so. Yep, you heard right. I managed to wrestle up a code for all of my listeners to help you get the gear that's perfect for you. When you check out, use my code ABI-A9F5KQ6G That's ABI-A9F5KQ6G Once that's in, you basically all set. So now go on. get yeah, go! Go spoil yourself and look amazing in the process. I can imagine okay so diet is like super super important to you um you did mention a little bit about um the kind of diet that you follow so ketogenic and that kind of thing um but with regards to the supersedes is that the only thing that you take with you on your race like to keep you your sugars up or are there other things that you could (laughs) that you could take that would help you
1: no no you can so You want, I don't actually use super seas when I'm racing. You want things that are easily digestible that you can put into your body and are easy to swallow, you know? Yeah. So, like, why? So, I can't use wine gums, for example, because they take too long to chew and you can't breathe while you're trying to chew a wine gum. Yeah. So, what I'll generally do is I won't take anything before the swim. If I'm doing a race, I'll go into the um, race almost faster. I'll have coffee in the morning before. Okay. Then. I'll, depending on what my sugar level is at this, if my sugar levels around four, I'll have like a small far bar or something with about 15 grams of carbohydrates and like an energy bar with 15 grams of carbohydrates in. And then I'll go and swim coming okay. out of the swim. I will have another 15 grams of carbs as I come onto the bike. So that will be in the form of a bar or an energy gel or something like that. Yeah. And then I usually won't require anything on the bike. Um, I have sugar-free electrolytes in my bottle, so all supplement companies produce them. Um, Biogen produces fruit-flavored ones and High Five and all these companies, um, Power Bar. So, it it just gives you sodium, potassium and magnesium so you don't cramp, but it doesn't give you any energy in the form of calories. Um, And then, um, going on to the run, I'll take another something, so like a bar or a gel, something that's easy to chew. If I have uh, jelly babies, they're nice and soft to eat so that I can still get them down quickly and breathe while I'm, while yeah. I'm doing it. But, um, I mean, yeah, generally on a day-to-day basis, I follow a low-carb diet. I don't say ketogenic diet because I have a bit more protein than what they recommend
0: okay. um,
1: in a ketogenic diet. Uh, but, yeah, I don't have any oats. I don't have any sweet potato. I don't have any fruit. I literally have green vegetables that grow above the ground, and um, fat and protein. So okay. nuts, avocado, um, all all the types of meat and fish that you get, uh, and yeah. So I snack on tongue and I snack on nuts and things like that. But chips, chocolates, baked goods, um, bread. I don't have any of that. Hamburgers I'll make with lettuce leaves. So okay. it is a lifestyle adjustment but essentially I'm allergic to carbohydrates. You know, my body's lost the ability to uh, to process carbohydrates. So yeah. by removing it, you get a lot better control and it improves your quality of life. Otherwise, it just swings and roundabouts.
0: Okay, okay. I totally get you. And uh, Ray, as a diabetic, do you take insulin? I do. So, okay.
1: Um, My diabetes is uh, called type 1. So that's where you've got a genetic predisposition to getting it. So it's the way your parents' genes combine together. Um, It's not passed down from parent to child, but it's just a genetic flaw in the way that their genes combine.
0: Wow, okay. Type 2 can be
1: passed down from your parent. That's hereditary. Yeah. So... Type one is where your body produces none of its own insulin. So some stressful event happens to you. For me, it just happened to be exams in grade nine. Um, and the, your immune system kills the beta cells in your pancreas. Your beta cells are the cells that produce the hormone called insulin. Yeah. And insulin works like a key and opens the cell so that carbohydrates can pass into the cell and be used as energy. Now, your body loses the ability to produce insulin, so you don't have a key anymore. That's why that, blood, that uh, glucose is all still in your bloodstream, elevating it, and that's why it's high blood sugar. Okay. So, yeah. So I synthetically have to inject insulin every time I want to eat, And a certain percentage of protein gets turned into glucose in your body as well. So carbohydrates get turned into glucose, a certain percentage of protein. That's why on a ketogenic diet, you want to keep your protein limited because you don't want to secrete insulin. Um, And so yeah, so I inject five or six times a day, depending on when I eat and how much I eat. And you have a long acting insulin that's Deals with a little bit of glucose that's stored in your liver. So your liver releases little bits of glucose throughout the day, and you have to inject a long-acting insulin to make sure that it's stable throughout the day. Wow. Okay. So there's quite a lot of yeah. There's quite a lot of dietary considerations you have to take into account. Um, and I used to try and not hide it, but I never used to try and not want people to treat me any differently. So I never wanted anyone to know. And now i kind of just own it because if i can do it other people can do it you know lots of people use it as an excuse yeah and then just to put it into perspective for you like on the diet i follow now i inject 10 units of um short-acting insulin a day for one piece of carrot cake you have to inject 15 units for a big piece of carrot cake yeah so it just shows
0: you yeah gee whiz Okay, but no, exactly like you said, that's why you're so inspiring, dude. Like, own it, man. You're not letting this get you down. You're taking it and you're being like, if I can do it, so can you, kid.
1: That's so cool. Exactly, exactly. Attitude is altitude. So your mental outlook on it determines the outcome. You know, Even if you're not the best at it, if you go out and you're willing to give it a go, more often than not, you'll get it right, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Ray, on another topic now, um, as a triathlete, I take it that you need to keep your body in pretty good condition all year round. Um, is that true? Or is it a situation where you'll like prep like mad for an upcoming event and then take it easy on the months off?
1: So you definitely have to, no one can be in tip top shape forever. You know, It's, it's just the way your body works. Um, your immune system's a little bit compromised when you're at optimal fitness and stuff like that. So it does come in swings and roundabouts. So what you do is you build up to a race and then you take a little break after the race to reset your body. And then you almost, you don't exercise, you train. So normal normal people exercise. When you're competitive, you train. So you keep yourself at a level that's, doesn't take too much effort to, to sharpen up for a race, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So in a general like maintenance state, you'll train about 10 hours a week and then building up to a race, you'll ramp it up to 15 to 20 hours a week, which is a lot to fit in around work. So you bank big hours on weekends and things like that.
0: Yeah. Can you but imagine? you
1: generally, as a general rule of thumb, you quite fit all the time. And, uh, after a race, you'll take, you'll probably take about two to three days off completely, and then you'll start doing some light exercise for two weeks, and then you'll get back into the ten-hour routine, and then you'll build up to your next race. So that's why it's important to prioritize certain races in the year, and the same principles can be applied no matter how fit you are, or no matter what your goals are. You know, you just scale it back proportionately. So, if you're doing your first triathlon and that's a small one. Um, you may go from doing five hours a week to doing, to resting afterwards for a week and then doing like two days of exercise. And then slowly you build it up to your five or six or seven hours a day or whatever, a week or whatever you're doing. Um, so yeah, but you don't take periods of like a month or for anything like that. The longest time is about three days. And then you, you can take a week off. Lots of people do take a week off to just reset mentally and that, Yeah, but I, Mentally, I, like, I don't like to take more than three days off and then I'll start doing easy swim or easy run or just doing things for the joy of it, you know, going out and exploring on your mountain bike, things that you wouldn't ordinarily do when you're following a training program.
0: Okay. And then you, you mentioned like you focus on a few races a year. So on average, how many races would you say you
1: do a year? Yo, I probably do about... I probably do about ten races a year, but of oh, those wow. ten races but yeah, but of those ten races, only about three of them are what you call an A race. So those are the ones that you really want to do well in. So the other races you use for fun and you use as a target like you use as a training race essentially. So like for instance, like a ninety four point seven I would go and do for fun and that is a race, but I wouldn't count it as a race that I want to try and win or okay. do so well in, if that makes sense.
0: You know, super cash, 94.7. Just do it for fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, our actual funnest event of the year is something called the Coronation Double Century. That's in Swell and Dummy November every year. Yeah, I and thought you were going to 12... say
0: the comrades.
1: I was like, no, boy, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no with that Double Century is a 12-man team time trial. Okay. On a bike, and it's 200 Ks, and then you see how fast you can do it. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's one of my favorite events in a year, even, even with world champs and everything that really, that's, that's one that I'll love.
0: Okay, cool, man. All right. So finally, to wrap things up on a bit of a lighter note, I've got a complete novice question for you, but it is something that's always plagued my mind about triathlons. So doesn't it suck getting out of the water and then getting onto a bike? Like, aren't you cycling wet and don't you chafe? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You, yes and no. So, technology is advanced now, so you get a you get um, very well designed tri suits. So okay. You you so when you swim, you swim in this tri suit, and the long sleeve ones are better because they're more aero and they protect you more from the sun. But um, yes yeah, so you, but but you do still get onto the bike wet and you drip dry as you are busy riding. So you do. There is like a couple of little sacrifices, and then. Through racing you just have to learn where and how your body chafes. Like for me, where the zipper comes up just under my belly button, I chafe there when okay. it's wet. So I have to put a little bit of Vaseline on the bottom of my stomach and then I don't get any chaff. and under your arms and when you wear a wetsuit, it chafes around your neck. So oh, you can have you imagine to put Vaseline, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from from breathing to one side because the collar of the wetsuit rubs your neck. So but uh, it's just learning, and uh, you put a little bit of VAS on, and then, uh, yeah, you don't have any problems. And when you're in the zone, you don't focus on being wet when you get out. To be honest with you, you kind of like, as soon as the start gun or start whistle or whatever it is goes, you kind of like, the next time you think about your body being sore is after the race, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> okay, so your adrenaline's just, just going. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're just focusing on the people in front of you or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's a lot of fun. It's an active and healthy way to get out. And they're very well supported. So, and the beauty is you don't have to do it competitively like me. You can do it in your own time and your own pace. And they've got all sorts of different distances so people can start, you know, and I encourage people to get up and do it. What's nice about it as opposed to, to just getting into a gym is you get to experience the world, you know. Okay, this holiday yeah. this holiday I went to, to Cape Town and on the way there, we went through the Midlands. I stopped and swam in a Dam. I ran. We got to see those beautiful green rolling hills and in and, and the Midlands, meander. Then you go to Cape Town and you can run up lines here. So it's, it's very, it's, it just gets you out, gets you active and lets you see a bit of the world. You know, you're not seeing four walls of a gym and that yeah. sort of stuff. It keeps you fit and healthy and uh, yeah, it just makes you uh, happier all around.
0: Right, man. Okay. And finally, if people want to be inspired by you, where can they find
1: you online? So they can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's just Raymond Wagner. Same on Facebook. And, um, I think that's about it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not as active as I should be on social media, but I'm more one of those people where you, you work hard in silence and let your success make the noise, but, uh,
0: <laughs> Love that. you're welcome.
1: Everyone, everyone, you know, everyone's welcome to follow me if they want to. And okay. then the triathlon group that I'm a part of are called Mavericks Academy. And they do track workouts at uh, the George Lee Park in Santon on a Wednesday and a Friday. And it's really, it's such a, such a good thing for anyone to do, you know. And there's all sorts of, there's grannies there, there's people <laughs> of all different speeds. So you find, I promise you, find your group and you run with them. So if okay. you want to look them up, their Instagram handle is mavericks underscore academy. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful institution to join if you're looking for a group of people to share your suffering with um, <laughs> or just become more motivated. It's really, it makes it, it, make, it makes exercising at a high intensity a lot more enjoyable.
0: <laughs> okay. Yes. Now I can imagine. I've also got my gym people and every time we've got a hard session, I'm just like, guys. Ah! <laughs> so yes, exactly. numbers, There's there's strength in numbers, quite literally, guys um but okay everybody if you want to find me during the week you can do so on instagram which is six underscore minute underscore abs you can hit me up on twitter too if you want to which is six minute abs um you can send me a gmail which is six minute abs at gmail.com and you can check out the blog which is six minute abs.com but ray thank you so much for your time i've really loved chatting to you about this and you are so inspirational so thank you for joining me
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. (laughs)
0: Great, man. And guys, I will catch you all next week. So bye.